Hi there, hello, hi, hey. Um, this is just a few words up top before I start the podcast properly to explain a bit about what you're going to hear. And for those who didn't know, up top is a really cool and new way to say at the start. Now this is a very different episode of the podcast. I wanted to make a thing where there are clips from some of my past chats this year and I thought it'd be good to have them in order to see if there's any progression in the level of my chat. The original plan was for me and friend Liam, who I used to do a radio show with. We were going to sort of listen to the clips and he was going to be overly harsh about them in a way that was hopefully quite funny. But then in the very last minute we decided that since my former radio tutor was there... We thought it might be quite interesting for him to listen to the clips having never heard them before and give me a sort of honest critique of what he heard. Two things I just wanted to mention. Connor did not have really any time to listen to the clips out with the recording. It was a very last minute thing as I mentioned. So um, I didn't think it'd be fair to put this out because at times during the podcast he said things like I wish I had more time to prepare. So this is just a note to say he didn't have much time to prepare. And also didn't want you to think that uh, I made this thing just so I could basically be like, look at how great I am and someone else agrees. That was not the intention, but sometimes nice things are said and I blush, but you can't tell. Or I do that thing like I did at school where if the teacher said good things about my work in the class, I'd sort of do a cheeky, cheeky little smile. Uh, but try and hide it because I want to look cool and like I didn't care. Right, so that's that covered. Uh, the pre-recorded me is about to say hello again, even though I've, I've already just said it. So um, I'll say bye, just so I don't make him look like a bloody idiot. Okay, bye. Welcome to Chats For You. This is the podcast where I, James, talk to people I like for you, the public. And that is really all it is. I asked some people if I could talk to them, some of them let me, and that is what's about to happen. It's a great premise. In this episode, episode 21, well actually this is a a very special episode, this is what I'm calling my Christmas catch-up special So it's not really a best of, but it's just some clips from the past chats that I think are either funny or insightful. There's 20 episodes of this podcast so far, and maybe you've thought about listening before, but that's just too many to delve into. This will make it easy for you to dip your toe slash ears into the water slash podcast and get a little sample of what water is like. Sorry, no, uh, this podcast, what this podcast is like. Now, there's nothing inherently Christmassy about the podcast itself. That is down to you. So if you just listen during Christmas dinner when the relatives you don't really care about are talking about something, that'll be a good idea. I might add a Santa hat to the logo. That's the most I'm doing. Now, I've also got a very special guest for this podcast, Connor. Hello, Connor. Ho, ho, ho. I just thought I'd bring at least something Christmassy. Yeah, that's good. Thank it. you very much. I wasn't sure what I could add. It was Christmassy. You've done that. Thank you very much. Connor is my former tutor, mentor, and lover of radio. Yes, I, I really hope in the edit that 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 will be tightened up just a little bit. 
So there, there won't be that. Were you worried for me? For, tremendously dramatic pause. Were you worried for a second that there was a drunken night you could not remember? It was. Um, I'd understand if I didn't remember it. It would be completely <laughs> something I would have blanked from my memory. So, Connor, as as my former tutor, you are here to give an honest critique of what you hear of these clips, but hopefully not too honest because I'd like to enjoy Christmas. Yes, it will be. It will be something that, as as we say in the teaching profession, we always try to um, hide the criticism into um, positive comments. I, I, I don't know how good my hiding will be in this. I don't think it'll be up to um, Waldo or Wally. Who, who hides? Where's Wally? Where's Wally? Where's Wally? Um, so I don't know if it'll be up to um, where's Wally standards, but hopefully I will hide it within enough ability that you'll have put it out live. It will be going out there and people listening to it will then realise the phenomenal amount of criticism that will have seeped through my comments. Yeah, and I think we should basically let people know like a bit of our uh, how we came to know each other. So I, did, I hoped you weren't going to say history again. It, it, it ties all into um, well, history, relationships I don't necessarily want history to. History only means the past. So yes. That's just language. And how long have we known each other for, would you say? Um, three, two, three... Four, one, two. I think it's two years. Two years. So, and then since then, have you had a student like it? Um, I, you know, it's one of those ones you can easily say. There's never been anyone quite like you. Thank you very much. Should I take that as a comp? Is it? You can take that whichever way. That's the beautiful thing about language. It, um, yes, it can be used a lot of ways. The way I said it and the way you heard it can be completely different things. Have you seen how many books there are? They've used language so differently in all of them. I know, and yet just 26 letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can they do it? <laughs> and so what was it that made you think, I want to talk to this guy on more than one occasion and have him on my course? Um, we have to have numbers. Um, we've got seats. We need bums to fit them. And when I saw you, I just thought, ah, there's a bum. Are you sure it wasn't just a reason to hang out with me a bit more? Um, of course it was. Of course it was, without a doubt. It absolutely was. That sounds genuine. Uh, and since kind of I've left the course, it's been a couple of years since I've done it now, have you experienced chats like it since? The um, chats we had and shared? Again, I, I, I can easily say with my hands in my heart that no, there has been nothing like those chats. Again, I'll take that as a, a compliment. And just before we get started here with playing the clips... What makes my conversation so riveting? Um, what makes them so riveting? I think there is an element of one of the things we always try and say about radio and one of the things we try and say about podcasts is the ability that anybody can do it. You know, that it's a lot of people think, oh, no, you need to be a very high professional. You need to be um, really, really good at it. You need to have trained at it, been working at it. And quite nice sometimes for a podcast to come along that people can say, hey, Anybody can do this. Again, compliment, I'm, I'm sure. And what exactly are you hoping to hear? From What would you like to hear? Well, I have to know, I do have a, an interesting comedy, so it will be nice to hear um, comedians talk. And I think the one good thing about things like podcasts like this is because sometimes when you see comedians go on to TV shows, they feel they have to put on a persona or they have to answer um, in quite the sort of stylistic or commercial way. And it's quite nice sometimes when you hear them talk to podcasters that it has an element of them being a little bit more honest and a little bit more open and a little bit more free about what they say. And sometimes that can actually bring out much more interesting comments 
than you would see on some of the more mainstream TV programs. Cool, great. So we're going to listen to the first clip and then come back to you for your honest critique. Again, not too honest. I, I like to have a nice time. And so the people featured in these clips I'll play during this podcast include Paul Foote, Mark Watson, The Spook School, Adam Buxton, Pete Furman, Trevor Locke and Professor Richard Wiseman. But to start, this is the very first chat, the first one I recorded back in April at the stand in Edinburgh. This is my uh, excerpt from my chat with Tony Law and he talks a bit about how he comes up with material. Have you ever, like, wanted to do a different style or maybe something you've not necessarily done but feel that you can't because people, like, come expecting Tony Law and, like, expecting this... Oh, no, 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 every year because I've not been... I'm not successful and because... Do you know what I mean? Like, I... I'm not someone who's on telly or anything that, well, I'll do bits and pieces, but no, 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 I, every single year I try and write the most palatable stand-up that the most people will, because I've got children, so I want to become successful and rich. Yeah. Or at least I want to become successful and get out of debt. Mm. And so I will write every single year, if I do write a bit before I go to the new material night, something that is going to be, everyone's going to love, and they're going to, like, pay me some money. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it always gets twisted off into some right, corner okay, because yeah, of yeah. my brain or my insecurity or... I mean, I mean, I know I don't look like a nerd because I'm fucking totally awesome. Yes, and I'm I totally, agree. I'm totally hot and cool. Uh, but I'm actually like <laughs> deeply insecure and yeah. I don't know, like probably most people, but I'm not one of these um, people who's um, like just knows exactly how to do it. So I try every time. So I wrote this bit that's coming up for next year's show. It's called Space Bear and Alcat. It was about me and my wife going to a dinner party because I wanted to do observational stuff. And I heard someone do a routine about dinner parties. And I thought, well, I'll do one. And I realized my wife and I have never been to a dinner party. <laughs> so I had to imagine it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also I, I tried to do a bit about uh, going to Tesco's. Someone did a Tesco's routine and it was fucking amazing. Everyone loved it. And I thought, well, what is your angle on Tesco's then? So I tried a Tesco's. Yeah, yeah, It didn't yeah. work out, so it ended up being bonkers. Mm -hmm. And I kind of keep ruining every single attempt yeah, so you start... Because saying... I've got children, they need food, yeah, and they yeah. need fucking, you know, and I need to try yeah. so for them. Uh -huh. So you start out trying to be this sort of observational bit, Yeah. then you obviously take it your own way. Yeah, but not... Or not... maybe it doesn't work how you planned, and then that swaps in the... It's what you just said. Okay. <laughs> so there we go, that was the excerpt from the first chat with Tony Lott. Got any things to say? I think it was, the, again, the good thing to see or to hear someone like Tony Law talking because his shows are very surreal. They go off in such strange, tangential um, places. It's quite nice to hear him talk in this very straightforward um, way. And it's quite nice to hear him talk as a real sort of person, not put on any show or persona that he feels he needs to do to help sell tickets or anything like that. Um, so it's always quite nice to hear that. And it's always nice to hear comedians talk about their art and their craft and having to work at things and try things and also have that element about yeah it feels I can't do those things and to hear that so that whenever you see the finished show it makes you realise how much work went into that finished show 
Also, interestingly here, whenever you said you're recording at the stand, you can hear that lovely echoey reverb in there. Yes, yes, the backstage reverb, they call it. Yes, that famed backstage stand reverb. <laughs> uh, so much a standard of uh, podcasts. They've tried to re- replicate it all around the world. <laughs> it's never been quite the same, really. Yeah, they can't get it quite set up just right in the room. And um, the like Canadians that. give it a hell of a go, but really, no, it never came <laughs> off truly for them. Um, so I thought that that was nice. You can still hear your yeah, yeah, yeahs. That was, I'm annoyed about that. And I, I think I've, I don't do it as much, and I'll probably put my foot in my mouth and you'll hear it quite a lot in other ones. But uh, I've tried to stop. And I think I do that when I'm most nervous. It's the same with... Because like, I think I just want to make them seem like, oh, we're interacting right now. Uh, and it's not in a rude way. I'm not doing it like that. It's just like, I'm not going like, yeah, 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 move on. Yeah, it's, it's one just... of the, the hardest things to teach people whenever they're doing interviews. Because the normal form, whenever you're chatting to someone and you're interested in what they're saying, is to join in. To come in, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, yeah, I really like that. Or, yeah, I think that as well. But within interviews, you actually have to hold yourself back with that. Uh But then it becomes you feel slightly uncomfortable because you feel, you know, this person's talking and I'm offering nothing else to this conversation at all. And you want it to be like a conversation. You don't want it just to be question, answer, question, answer. You want it to try and feel like this really interesting chat that people are just listening into. But when it comes to the recording of it, you then listen back and you go, all right, you know, this chipping in, this constant... um, almost interrupting that you feel coming from the other person doesn't work in a radio scenario. So you do have to try and hold yourself back. But it is a very, very difficult thing to do, Um, particularly if you're then really interested in what they're saying. You feel like you really want to start chipping in. You you want to engage with them. But sometimes you really have to try and hold that back and let the person talk. I'm trying to hold it back so much right now. I just want to go, yeah, 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 throughout all that. It's um, Yes, and obviously I think a lot of people would try to interrupt me, if only just to interrupt me and stop me talking. <laughs> then it's a perfectly acceptable uh, method to go for. And also use the, I'll, you'll probably notice this in some of the other clips, but uh, I, when I'm nervous I use like a lot. And that's sort of because I think like what if they do a, a weird face and sort of like act like they hate the question. If I say like, I can then turn it into something else. Like I can keep it going. I think one of the difficulties with that is whenever people start talking and they're nervous, what they do is they just continue to talk. And the fear you have is if I stop talking, there's just going to be nothing. Yeah. So you keep talking. But the problem with that is whenever all people have is the sound that they listen to, they can really pick up all the nuances. And the voice often, unless you're really, really good or an actor or something like that, the voice gives everything away. So you can hear then people going, oh, this guy, they're now just waffling. He's just, and you know, you start to get quicker. You start to run out of breath quicker because you just keep on going. Saying, I can't stop talking because if I stop talking, there's going to be nothing. They're not going to answer this question. There's going to be nothing. I'm going to keep on talking. And you can hear it really clearly. I think the confidence needs to come from saying, look, this question is good. And I'm just going to go and ask it. And then hopefully that makes you sound stronger, bigger, and more confident. And people will hopefully enjoy it more. Yeah. And so we're going to move on to the second clip now. And this is part of my chat with Adam Buxton. And this one was really exciting for me because I'm a big fan of his and Joe's radio show. And yeah, so a bit of context for the clip. We were just talking about an awkward situation that happened on Mark Maron's podcast. So, yeah, here's the second clip with Adam Buxton. Uh, well, we can end, like... I'll, I've got one more question. Yeah, sure, yeah. But I think we could end, like, 
podcast on a frosty moment like that. All right. So we'll just try and make one well, naturally. You, you, can, you can think of the most shit question to ask me and ask me that and then, and then I'll go frosty. Okay. 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 Uh, so this is resume. Final question. Uh, I'm trying to get a trademark question. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been working on it. Test out a few times. Mm-hmm. I think it's all right. What do you like? What do you like? Yeah. 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 It's good. I like it. Everyone's just happy with it. Keep it general. Sure. People like things. It's not going to offend anybody. Although you might get someone getting frustrated with you, like, what do you mean, what do I like? You can't just ask that. You've got to narrow it down. Give me some criteria. I like lots of things. That's a meaningless question. You're a dick. Um, Not not, that yet, thankfully. You know. Well, there you go, you got it. Yeah. Right now, it's fucking rubbish. What, what do you mean, James? That's a ridiculous question. That's an insult to me. You this isn't the one that's supposed to create the think about it. You didn't even think about it. You just thought, oh, I'll just do like a random funny question. Yeah, that's bullshit. Uh, I mean, you're going to be just saying uh, Jedward, question mark, next? Uh, I mean, Jesus, you're the most unprofessional guy I've ever come across. What do I like? I like it when, <laughs> I like it when um, strangers smile. Like when you when you're seeing someone in the street and they're walking along on their own and they smile and they start smiling. Are you or just in general? No, just in general. Yeah, that's it, good. Yeah, it makes sometimes it makes me so happy that I almost start crying. I don't know why. It's really weird. It's like a strange. It's like a strange um, tap that can be turned on in me. It probably speaks to the super sentimental side of me or something. I don't know what, but. Um, yeah, it, you can't really beat it because most people they walk around in the street and and they you, you got your serious face on, right? You know, it's a neutral face. Yeah. You don't want to be judged. You don't want to. You just want to blend in. Um, but when you see someone smile for whatever reason, it's 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 like a little chink in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds a bit racist, but uh, I didn't mean it to. Or maybe that's maybe it's racist that I even said that it sounds racist. Yeah, that's where, that's where I felt it went awkward. Yeah, sorry, man. Sorry. That is, yeah. Sorry, this is what it... Because I grew up in the 70s. Things like that, that. That was just the way people spoke in those days. It's no longer appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you very much for joining me, Adam. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to finally watch the How did you enjoy your hot chocolate? Hot chocolate was nice, thank you very much. Uh, it, was, it was, yeah, it was just right. Yeah. What is this the one that I'm supposed yeah, to get angry yeah, about? Yeah. Oh right. Oh shit, man. It's fucking rubbish, and um, it was one of the worst I've ever had. And there was too much uh, sediment at the bottom of the thing, and it was too milky, and uh, it didn't have any sprinkles on the top. And uh, where was my flake that I requested as well? Uh, this is the, one of the worst days of my life. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Cool. So. At the end, then? Yeah, that's it. Man. Turn off, turn off your, turn off your fucking, fucking shit Olympus tape machine. What a disgrace! Hasn't even got any tape in it. Digital, Ugh. digital's over, man. This is the VN seven one three PC model. Nah, that's a, that's a bunch of shit. And you know what? You haven't even taken the sticker off the front. If I get some technology, I am removing all those stickers. You've kept I it might on. I forget how much memory it holds. Jeez, get with it, guy. Just. Get your act together, James. Okay. This has been a humiliating experience for both of us. It has. Uh, okay. Bye. All right. Bye. So, Connor, any thoughts? I think it's it showed one of the good things about comedy podcasts is the fact that there was a little bit of rambling going on and a little bit of sort of improvisation going on, and it's quite nice when you hear comedians do that because then 
it's where sometimes the funnier elements come out. Whenever you have them on the big TV programs, it's a very standard sort of set, and it goes along normally a very predictable way. But on things like this, on podcasts, where there's that much more freedom to go, it's not needed necessarily to be so tightly edited. You can hear comedians do things and riff on things that hopefully your idea would be that that would be where the true comedy would really come out from. I use the term true comedy. I should never, ever use that term. It's a horrible term, as opposed to the fake comedy. Um, we're good comedy. Let's call it that. It would be a lot better. And that uh, excerpt featured the first appearance of my trademark question. How do you think it works and functions as a question? Is it good? I think you're, it's one of those two-part questions. The first part is, what do you like? And the second part is explaining what that question is. As most people, I think, would go, what, what, do, we, what do you mean, what do I like? What, what, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? And then the second part has to come in where you explain, no, just just anything. What do you like? It's, it's a good bit of uh, just silliness, really. It's good to have a bit of silliness on the old podcasts. And, you know, it's the good thing is it is a question. Yeah, that, there's a, I've checked. There's a question mark right at yeah. the end there. And it is, it's not a question that I've heard asked before. No, good. That's what I'm trying to do, get all the... Yeah unused questions out there well there's you know I'm, i believe possibly the eu has got a massive big question yeah they've got mm. lots of questions that haven't been asked why do albatrosses ice skate things like that and if they don't get asked well what's going to happen to them there's not going to be an answer exactly and you know there's probably an answer bank somewhere quite possibly in the same warehouse but they just never thought to never actually put get them together them. no and so we'll move on to my third clip and this is a part of my chat with the Magician and comedian Pete Furman. Uh, he talks a bit about theft and magic. This is something I've always wondered because mm. this is—I've never spoken to a magician before. Okay, it's exciting. Oh wow! Uh, uh, wonder what is considered like. Do you know, like in comedy, there's joke theft. Yes. And I'm thinking, like with magicians, like they can sort of do tricks that other people have done, mm. and it cannot be considered theft. So is there a point where it does become that? That's a really interesting uh, debate, actually, because. Um, there's a, there's a huge there's a huge raft of, of magic literature you know magicians who have pu- published tricks and magicians sell tricks to other magicians um, and obviously no one's gonna you no one's gonna buy it and, and do it their way you know you're gonna put your own spin on it and frame it the way that you that you want to but the, you know to go even further than that there's only so many tricks in terms of the premise. I've heard people say there's only so many jokes. I don't know whether that's true. But if you think about tricks, right, things can appear, disappear. Two items can change places. Something can float in the air. Um, there's, there's another uh, t- you know, he- heading, defiance of scientific law. I mean, that can be anything, right? Yeah. But uh, or, uh, like in terms of mind reading, mm. think of something I couldn't possibly know. I'm going to tell you what it is. Yeah. So all tricks are variations of these. So it's about kind of contextualising it and just making it you know, I did a I did a magic trick that I found in a hundred year old book three years ago in Edinburgh, and you you could have read the book and you wouldn't have known it was the same trick. It was just the very it was the it was the way it was accomplished. It wasn't the presentation. It was just a little. I'm not going to say what it is because it would spoil it. You know, but the actual nuts and bolts of how it was done helped me to achieve something that I had in my notebook because that's how I start with a, a magic trick. I'll write down a really outlandish idea and then kind of work backwards and try and figure it out. Um, so, so yeah, it's a bit of a it's 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 a bit of an odd 
um, subject about uh, proprietary uh, stuff in magic because uh, because there is so much stuff kind of out there yeah. and published. But in terms of what you're actually saying, that always comes from the mm. performer themselves. Yeah. yeah. Now, would you describe what you've just heard as chat magic? Um, you know, it is chat, and it is about magic, and you know, I th- what we shouldn't really do is give the listener the answer. It's an old adage in teaching, never give the student the answer, let them work it out for themselves. So let's just say there was chat, it was about magic, and let's leave it to the listener. Well, that definitely happened, there was chat, and we'll just see what they make of it, shall we? Yes. Yep, okay. And did you learn anything you did not know in that? I, I, I did like the idea of magic theft. Um, because there is the whole thing, I remember being a young child and realising you could buy magic tricks. From being a young child, you see it on TV and it looks like, that. wow, that is, you know, the adage of magic, that is something that is impossible. And then when you go into joke shops and things and there is the magic trick being sold, um, it did slightly ruin the illusion. And then it does show how a great performer, a great magician, will put their own slant on it. And you may like it, not a lot, but you may like it. There's older reference. Older people listening to this podcast would get that reference. All your younger listeners will think, well, clearly that man's just rabbling on like a <laughs> madman. Um, but it shows how much like a comedian and like a magician, the delivery yeah. is very much a very, very important. And that's often what can make um, a professional and what makes someone who rises to the top of the profession be different from everyone else that can does it. We can all tell the jokes we can all do the magic it's how do you deliver it and have you ever have you yourself ever met a magician before no no not met a magician never what kind of would you ask them how they did all their tricks what would you ask a magician there is an adage there was um some magicians that will show you the trick show you how it's done because we all know it's not magic we all know that no one is conjuring up the dark arts to do these things it is a trick but we can still admire the trick. Even once we know it's a trick, we can still admire it because we've sat, we've stared at the person doing it, and yet we couldn't figure out how they did it. Yeah. Um, but we know it's a trick, so the fact they can show us a trick, we can still just admire them and go, wow, that was yeah. amazing. You did something that was incredible. And even though you've shown us it and you've then done the trick again, I didn't see yeah. the join. And there's a lot of, like, with people trying to, on YouTube especially, you'll have clips of, like, a magic trick. And then people who think they're, like, really smug for knowing the answer will type it in. And then, like, you just scroll down and see how they did it, and they think they're so smug writing it. I don't like that. There's so no... That's you... What you did there was you read YouTube comments. Now, immediately, you're yeah. wrong. That, that was your, your first fault. <laughs> One of the things that we've learned in the recent years is never ever read YouTube comments. If ever you were thought about suicide, if ever you thought about you were a megalomaniac, you had that big red button, that red button that would end the world within seconds, and you wanted, should I do it? I don't know, shouldn't I do it? I quite like kittens, they're quite cute, that's all funny, I like that. You then go and read some YouTube comments, you're pressing that button. Well, I've seen some comments that are just like, I quite like this video. So some of them aren't that bad. 
But then again, what does it say about that empty person's pathetic life? That of all the things they could do, read a book, watch beautiful movies, go watch a sunset, they said, you know what? I've got slightly ambivalent feelings to what I've just seen, and I feel the need to log in and type up that I've got slightly ambivalent feelings to this. As if, what's that going to say? The person that watches that or made that video, are they going to go, well, phew, I made that video, I okay, compressed okay, it, I've, loaded I've it, and someone's nerve. had slightly ambivalent feelings about I've it. Well, I'm really glad they spent the time to type that in. I've touched an air. Have you had a history with YouTube commenters? No, it's just the just most banal, idiotic comments. It's really the worst thing. Now the fact you have to log into Google+, Plus, I think will help because the five people that have Google+, Plus I shouldn't have will asked. most shouldn't likely have asked. not want to put their comments up because people say, well, that's Dave. I know him. He's the only one of the five that's got Google+. Plus, so hopefully it'll stop them. Okay, okay. Let's, uh, the next clip is... <laughs> Uh, a bit of my chat with Paul Foote. Because the show is called Words, what are some of your favourite words? Pigeon. It's a good word. Good thing as well, they're all right, aren't they? Escalop. Yeah, I'd use that as often as I could. Serendipity. I don't use that often enough. Funicular. What is that one? What's a that funicular is a, a railway that goes, a very steep railway that goes up and down the side of a... Steep right, mountain. Right, right. I think it normally has one goes one side and the other one goes down the other way. Yeah. So they like one pulls the other one up. Funicular. Funicular. Mm. Or it doesn't have to be like that. But it's certainly a railway that goes up mountains. Yeah. It's a steep railway. Mm. And um, live. That's good. That's a good word. Do you like live as well or the live? No, live. Oh, live. Okay, I thought you said live or live. Live. Or, 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 li- live. Yeah. Live is another good word. Arrive is another good word. This, if you could Plod. put all those words into one sentence, I'd Plod. be a happy bunny. Do you like happy bunnies? Uh, yes. They're right, aren't they? The happy bunny. Decided to arrive at the live Plod Pigeon, an example of serendipity. I'm a happy, I'm happy, happy bunny now. Okay. It's good. Uh, I'm trying to get a trademark question, because like, I think everyone's got to have one. Uh, so this is my trademark. I'm trying to get it off the ground and stuff. Uh, what do you like? What do I like? Yeah, what do you like? Floating things, anything that floats. Anything that floats? Yeah, anything that floats. Oh. What's your favourite thing that floats? A bar, a wooden bar stool. Hmm. You, see, you don't expect to see that floating. Yeah, no. So it has a novelty value. I might, as a little treat, I might leave wooden barstools and watery areas for you yes. around Edinburgh. Would you enjoy that? Is that something you'd like? Uh, yes, but not if they were in shallow water, so they weren't floating properly. That would just be a barstool sticking out of shallow water, and that would disappoint me. Oh, so you're going to like rigorously check that? Yeah, yeah, I'll check it was floating. Yeah. Or, you, if you misjudge it, it might be a, a bar stool that's a bit heavier than you expected and it might just sink into deep water and then I won't even see it. It's a waste of time. It's just a, it's just a bar stool under the water that no-one notices. 
I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to do a nice thing for you. Because I'm just saying, all that, what I'm saying is you've got to be very careful. Okay, I'll try to be very careful. And uh, finally, uh, I don't want you to waste your time. I won't. I think I'll, I'll work it out enough that I can do it properly, and I'm sure I'll impress you. Oh, good, good. Enough that you can do a tweet that's sort of like, oh, those bar stills are looking floy. If you can do one that an upside down, flag upside down, then that would be most pleasing. Okay, any specific area, or are you just going to go around Edinburgh one day looking? Uh, specifically within a department store. Okay, it's getting a bit trickier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a confident guy, but okay, I think I'll I'll attempt it. Yeah, anything in a department store with a floating bar stool. It doesn't have to be floating in water. It could be floating on um, uh, air jets. Right, yeah, they've got those in bits. Yeah, or it could have helium balloons to make it float. Okay, that sounds. I'm willing to do that. Yes. If it'll make you happy, it'll make you happy. Oh, good. Yes. I'm getting a really intense look that says I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll be happy. Now, what did you learn about my interviewee, Paul Foote, there? Often, one of the things I like about comedy podcasts, as I said earlier, is it allows the comedian to riff on things. And because it's unedited, it just flows, and sometimes that's where the comedy goal can arrive. There's sometimes where editing isn't a bad thing. There's sometimes whenever snipping, a few things can actually um, help and enhance a podcast. Now, that is just my point of view. That is not necessarily any hard and fast rules, but sometimes um, whenever you've got two people trying to very much um, outdo each other, um, I was just joining in. I wasn't trying to outdo. I was just having fun with a comedian I liked. All oh, right, is that that's that was your what you're putting across? Yeah, that's. Um, you may have meant that, may not have come across. No, I think um, you could see there. There was definitely a slight bit of what every time that come out with one, then it has to be pushed that little bit further. But it's interesting to see, and that's one of the things with comedy podcasts. You can do things like that because the comedian isn't thinking, "Oh, this is gonna." majorly affect my sales or anything like that I'm sure what are you trying to say about my podcast what are you trying to say how people it reaches what I was going to say was that the quality of the comedian riffing allows him to have the free form which will then truly enhance their comedy which will obviously make more people come to the show and what they're being shown there is that at no point in time is anyone going to edit them or get them to cut or to make it a bit quicker actually a bit of editing done there was (laughs) yeah you know, I mean, editing, the good thing, l- l- the positive, didn't notice it was editing on there. So obviously edited well. Yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, there was a editing. woman that made a big, because we did it on a bench. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, there was a woman that made a loud noise, cut that out, and a bit of the chat, but not much. What was the loud noise that the woman made? Was it one of excitement? Uh, I think I can almost do it perfectly. Uh, hey! She's just walking past. And she just said that. I don't think it was to us, but it was picked up. So um, we'll move on to the fifth clip now, and this is part of my chat with Mark Watson. First of all, a chat to Mark about him being up in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe and not doing a show. And also, it's the first uh, appearance of another of my, not necessarily a trademark question, but a deeper one. So have you enjoyed being up here without doing a show? I really have, yeah, partly because there's less uh, pressure, obviously, than there's ever been before. I, I, um, partly because 
I, I've, uh, from an ego point of view, I've received quite a lot of attention um, without any effort, really. As I walk around, people, quite a few people have asked, oh, where, where's your show? How's it going? Um, so I feel as if I've kind of advertised my, my, myself and my career yeah. without, without you any trouble doing so. You don't need any flyers next time, just yeah. have you. I just walk around, yeah. <laughs> this is a much more efficient way of doing a show, really. <laughs> people vaguely come away with the memory that they've seen me, even though all they saw with me walking down the Royal Mile with my back. <laughs> and I've also enjoyed it, I must say, because um, I don't um, see a lot of other, the new comics that are coming through, because I don't do that many gigs in clubs now. Um, I'm not for the part of the circuit the way I would have been um, and I'm not, not of their generation of comics either I came through with those people with Key and um, um, Russell Howard or that sort of that sort of era of comics is mine and um, there's a long period where we were those guys but now unmistakably there are people that are 10 years younger here and so there is a kind of um, it's important to remain aware of what yeah. new guys are doing especially when some of them are doing like the man I mentioned Matt Ewins who does Stand up, sort of pretending to be Cleopatra, but in the style of like a northern working men's club sort of comic. There's stuff like that which you've never seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I, you know, I listen to people talk about these comments, rarely see them. I've now seen, not everything I've seen has been that good, but most of the things I've chosen to see have been things which are in some way odd or going to make me yeah. re- reassess. It's quite exhilarating watching doing someone do stuff that you think, I, I have never occurred to me to do that. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's not very much fun in terms of a great joke which you think I really could have thought yeah. of that I, but it is fun when someone does you're watching for half an hour and you think not one second of this could have been yeah. in my show this year. <laughs> never would have dreamed of anything and have you ever sort of uh, obviously you've got like your style that you do and stand up in that have you ever wanted to do maybe like a different style or something felt like you can't sometimes um, I, I sometimes wish um, there are com- in, in recent shows I've tended to gravitate towards um, you know slightly more sort of personal material something more confessional style and um, there are comics who really push that and someone like Reginald Hunter is able to tell a 20 minute long story and the audience doesn't laugh for once they're just sort of rigid with concentration and, they, and I sometimes do envy comics who uh, are able to the key is another example in a very different way key will let a long way go Go, go by without a, a, a discernible joke or yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got such control over the audience yeah. that he knows he can do that and um, so I, I sometimes I've always have got a frantic high energy style I enjoy doing it like that I like that but now and again I think I'd, I'd love to be able to do um Cleopatra. To do a show where I just set something up over a long period of time. the Cleopatra. Well, yeah, I definitely wouldn't like to do that because he'd made all of his own costumes out of bath mats and stuff. <laughs> and like but yeah, that's, I suppose that is the other thing actually. Sometimes when you when you're um, at a certain level of success um, and recognisability in a place like Edinburgh, you do you do sometimes fantasise about doing a show that's absolutely insane like that. It's got nothing to do with your previous work. Yeah. I, mean, I, I could do it, of course. I mean, there's nothing to stop. Yeah. Just don't. Um, just when you're getting a small room in the peasants for a few nights and just doing something yeah. demented like that. I've done a lot of odd things in Edinburgh, obviously, yeah. Yeah, concept shows, but to do a show that... Uh, and one way might be to do it as a character, like Stuart Lee does, making face or something. I, I sometimes think I might, I'd yeah. love to do something like that as an experiment. I mean, Stuart Lee is sometimes thought to be connected with it. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've sort of... Uh... I don't know if I'll do stand up much more, but I've always thought about what my show title would be. Because like, yeah. you can have a punny one. Yes, yeah, so a lot of people go down that route. I was kind of thinking, like, I think I've already mentioned this on another. If people have listened to my other ones, they've heard this already. Yeah. But uh, my friend's, her second name's Ennis. And I thought if she was doing a show, Ennis is a surprise. 
Yeah, very good. That's I was thinking it's like, funny or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and this is and this is a surprise. But she doesn't do stand up, so I was going to take it. Yeah, because it's a bit of a waste of a, of a <laughs> yeah. name, though, isn't it? So, that's so like the idea of it. In, and this is a surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> and then people just wouldn't get the connection because there was nothing there. That that would be excellent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if you're going to do a punny title, it's always just got to know what your name is and why you. It's <laughs> yeah. funny. So this is a the final question. Uh, it's quite a deep one. Just get ready. So okay, I'll pick sort of myself. Yeah. Okay. What would you like to ask yourself? That is a good, that is a good deep question. I thought maybe you were setting up for a, a, a deliberately stupid last question. Oh no, joke. I'll take the last question seriously. Yeah, you obviously do. I thought that was a bit of um, misdirection. Great <laughs> question. Um, what would I like to ask myself? Were I to interview myself? Yeah. Sort of now? Well, I think... Yeah, good question. I'd probably, I'd probably, um, uh, I, I, I think it's quite difficult to identify. Um, a lot of the time, it's quite difficult to identify your own desires and ambitions. Like, what, like, working very hard, trying to get successful in comedy. Oh, you want to finish this book as well, or even just socially, it's like there are people you want to be friends with. Whatever your aspirations are, I think you spend a lot of time assuming things in life without being completely clear about why you're doing it. I think I'd like to probably perhaps just spring myself the question: What, like, what do you most want? What, what do you most want? Where, what do you really want to? To, to go out in the next few years. Well, even though I'm constantly asking myself that, because we all are, because that's yeah. how you live your life. But, and yet, somehow, it, 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 if a third party ever asks you, what, what would you most want to do next year, or like, what would your ultimate definite success yes. be? You, you always struggle to answer that question. So I think it's a very healthy, not just, not just in comedy or, or any performing, I think that a lot of people could do with asking themselves the question, what am I aiming for? Yeah. What do I really want? This is why you do people like, life coaches and uh, these sort of life therapists and all these things where people are understandably quite sceptical of but in fact there, there is a lot to be said for someone just making your answer basic yeah, yeah. questions about yourself because you, you don't ask it yourself so that was the first appearance of the deepest question in my arsenal um, so Connor, I was wondering what would you like to ask yourself I would, uh, I would ask myself um why didn't you get your students to prepare or your ex-students to prepare this earlier and then give me more of a chance to think about some uh, better things to um, say and not make myself sound such quite the fool? I, th- I thought that bit was really good. I think, again, it was uh, very nice to hear a comedian chat normally. And often you hear whenever they've got very witty, sharp, punny answers to questions a la mockery week, it's because they've had a chance to prepare them for a week, if not two weeks beforehand. Whereas that, you could hear that last question did um, slightly take him aside. And you could hear his sort of thought process as he was working his way through a long thought process to get to an answer. And it was quite interesting to hear that sort of because he was verbalizing a lot of it. Yeah, I didn't want to sort of like... Uh edit that down too much because I felt that like it's good to like see how it works like how long it took to come to that answer I feel that's quite interesting because it gives you an idea of how long they're thinking about it and how in depth they're really like getting in their head yeah and also because he was speaking the whole time it was was almost like it had a snapshot into his thought process because he was verbalizing all of it yeah uh, in this uh, sixth clip and uh, this is from an excerpt from my chat with the band The Spook School and it's yet again another appearance by my trademark question uh, let's move on to my um, 
trademark question. Oh, oh. I was going to prepare for this. <laughs> so, uh, what do you like? We'll see you. What do you like? Oh. I like taking my clothes off. That's always quite fun, but a lot of other people often say no. Even Are they against it? Cold? Even when I'm cold. Sometimes that makes me feel even more of a rebel. Because your that, nipples are like... you take your clothes off to rebel? That and the fact that I don't think I buy... I like it. Adam's getting deep. He's yeah. getting deep, but I, I think really... Maybe it's the fact that I'm really bad at buying clothes and they never fit me properly, and so it's always slightly uncomfortable. And the only true comfort free I can yourself. achieve is to yeah. free myself and dangle. Okay. It's such an easy way to achieve freedom. <laughs> freedom! Just take your top off. Dad, Dad, will you bother? Just take your top off. But you only ever do it in situations where it's not really um, acceptable. I also know, do. Like, I also do it in the acceptable situations. Like when I shower, I'm not going to lie. I do take my clothes off for that. In well. the shower. I yeah. I start fully clothed, and then you know, as I get confident, you know, <laughs> I go, oh, I, I can probably clean the upper body now. Off comes the top. So, um, Niall, you like taking your top off. Adam, what do you like? Um, uh, quite like this drink. What? Uh, tell the listeners what you're drinking. Um, it's a smoothie. It's, um, oh. Splash that. Their ears have perked up. Yeah. Uh, Niall said it looked like vomit. Um, yes. But it tastes... Like... like vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Passion fruit vomit. Ah, oh, best. The best. The best I can get. I think... <laughs> Gillette making smoothies. That doesn't sound good. I just thought that, you know, you think of all the fruit It would work with their, you know, they want to be smooth. Smoothie face. Smoothie drink. <laughs> what flavour is the drink? Like um, aloe vera flavour or something? Razor. Fraser. Not Fraser, Razor. That tastes of Razor. Raisin. 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 Words that sound like other words. <laughs> Raisin. Imagine if I kept this whole bit in. I, I, <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I really like? Just thinking like of passion fruit. Well, I think passion fruit was one of the last fruits to get named. Because they realised they could get kind of cool with it. Because banana... Oh! Orange! Right? The fruit was called orange before the colour was called orange. There you go. But passion fruit is a bloody good name for a fruit, but I still don't like it. It's like they're creating a subgenre. Yeah, love fruit. And then you just name all the other ones. Star fruit. Star fruit? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Star fruit? Yeah. Is it a star fish? Shaped like a star. (laughs) Really? It's a big long thing, shaped like a star. You cut it into slices. Looks like stars. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't Mm. taste very nice. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's definitely a real thing. What colour is it? Kind of yellow and green. Like a star. I think you're just describing a star. No, it's definitely... I definitely ate it. No. I didn't ask if you didn't like it. I can eat a star. Who do you think I am? Some kind confidence. of superstar. Huh? Got have confidence in yourself. Of course you can eat a star. <sighs> Give me a star. <laughs> Give me a star and I'll show you a star. <laughs> I could eat a, like a superstar. That wasn't some reference to sexual acts with famous people, was it? I don't think that was intended. Good. (laughs) So I put that clip in, basically to have a final third appearance of my trademark question. I'm just wondering, is it sticking anymore for you? Do you only see me with this question?
I think that certainly, again, um, it's never cropped up with anyone else before. Um, do you like? And, and then there's a full stop right at that, or a question mark, yeah. even better. So um, you think a more professional person would put more after that? I think maybe some people who didn't have the confidence in their own interviewing capabilities would feel the need to put more in. I think it's someone who shows how confident and how good they are that they say, actually, um, three words. That's very kind. That's all I need. I think I'll enjoy Christmas after all. Have a nice Christmas time. Three wise men, three words. Did you know the thing about the orange? Did you know the... It was I the did, fruit? actually. I'm more intrigued about how he sliced a star fruit. If it's shaped like a star... Do you know what it is? Do, do, you, do you know what it is? Have no. you, I don't know what it is. I've not Googled it. And Okay, we'll move on to the penultimate clip now. And this is from my chat with Trevor Locke. And we talk a bit about socks. Would you think it'd be a good question you'd ask for any person ever? Um, I think keep it now. Keep it now because eventually everything will everything is available to talk about. Yeah. So what's going on right now in somebody's life is usually the most um, well, it's obvious. It's, yeah. it's, it's the most vivid to them, uh-huh. isn't it? Because it's what's happening now. And that can bring in all sorts of memories and associations from the history of their yeah. life and indeed the universe. So uh, you lose nothing by keeping it now. Yeah. Um, what happened this morning? What's going? What What's do you do? up with your socks? They're what? looking fine. Yeah, that's, yeah, something like that. Yeah, are you being real? Are you, do you mean that? Well, I just meant yeah. Like I didn't mean what's up and like a, oh, what's up with your socks? I meant what's up like oh socks. Yeah, exactly. It was more just like exactly, and, yeah. then, and then you're into it. Yeah. That's, that's that would be my uh, technique. Have you got favourite socks? Uh, I do have favourite socks. Yeah, and I've lost one of them. Yeah, I've got some really nice thick brown woolen socks um, that I bought when I went to see my girlfriend's family in uh, in Switzerland and uh, and I've lost one of them and it's lost just, one it, of them. It, and I like them for two reasons sentimental reasons mm-hmm. and uh, because they're so deliciously thick and chunky it's not like I've got thick socks you don't, have, you don't have thick socks I've just got standard socks standard socks there's no such thing as standard socks in my life standard socks are thick socks have you got thin ones then I think I've got pretty... Oh, my... Well, nice. I'd say standard again, but you're not happy with that. Ah, <laughs> thin little cotton socks. Well, you can have a sort of look, but it's not very... Oh, man, they're so thin. They're, giving me, they're making me creepy. <laughs> oh, no. But that gives you no protection. I mean, that's just like wearing a... Yeah, I think I'm going to have to get some new socks. You've got to do that. That's really it's sort of perfect to have such a thin Maybe I foot. should um, sort of go on a quest around the world to find your other sock. It won't be around the world. It'll be somewhere in my house. Oh. Yeah. I just want to go around the world a bit. You can go around the world a bit and find me a different sock. Find me two different socks. There are socks all over the place. What would be the best sock you could imagine? Is that, like, you've never had the sock? I like like a thick sock. Uh, I like a colourful sock. I don't know why people have black socks and white socks have colourful ones. Um, Often live in South America. They have a great tradition of patterned amazing socks with pictures on they tell stories why can't you tell a story on a sock you can yeah you can tell a story in the sock if you're patient and know how to do the knitting um get someone else to do their own story and buy their story and wear their story on your sock um 
can you separate the story from the sock? You can't without unravelling everything. It's a beautiful thing, and, I, and I, I think people should wear their socks over their trousers. You know what a trouser looks like. You don't need to show that bit. Tuck it in and yeah. show off your sock with your story on it. The world would be a happier, more interesting place. People would uh, get to know each other better. The divorce rate would probably shoot through the roof, but then, after a while, the happiness would also yeah. go through the roof. Socks over your trousers. Is that the big message you want to get across in this chat? That's all I've been trying to get across for the whole of my existence. No one listens. Let's just maybe just try and word it differently. I should, should I? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe think of a done another message. <laughs> that was a clip of my chat with Trevor Locke, and just a bit of an update. I'm currently wearing two pairs of socks because uh, it's got very cold. It's winter right now, and I need two pairs. He was right. I need to get thicker socks. So uh, Connor. will... Did you learn anything about socks you did not previously know? It is strange how you lose socks, because my socks go only three places. My feet, the washing machine, and my um, chest of drawers where my socks are stored. Yet, I lose them more than any other item of clothing. And I don't know where. And as you said, whenever you said of going on the quest to find his socks, the quest could only be in his flat. And yet, somehow, in only those places... They miraculously get lost more than any other item of clothing. Have you? Do you think everyone's got a mysterious th- sock thief in I, there? I think um, possibly there's a world of socks that they can escape to, where socks live in freedom, never have to be put on shoes, and can. It's, it's a bit like the, the paranormal, and... except it's just socks. Well, that would still be paranormal if it was socks. Oh, it yeah, would still be paranormal. It wouldn't be normal. They should have a, their own word though, because they want to be a bit different. I think socks often want to be the same. Definitely the same as one other sock. All ah, right, yeah. Have you what? What is your sock situation? Do a lot of them not match, and you just battle on through? No, if they don't match, they go. That's it. And I, I think it's a way of teaching socks a lesson that you go. If one of them gets free, that's fair enough, but the other one's going to die because of that. Have you got like a time limit that you will you leave a sock that's a spare? Have you got a time when you think I'll wait a bit and see if I can find the other one? You're talking two to three weeks, but after that the sacrifice has to be made. Okay, well, As a lesson for the other socks if nothing else. <laughs> well I think we learned both a lot about my interviewing technique and my guest there mainly about socks and so I think we'll move on to the final clip now and this is a bit of my chat with Professor Richard Wiseman and we take part in a little bit of role play. If this gets all sexy, then I don't really want to listen. If one of you's playing a nurse and the other one's playing a really handsome doctor or a fireman or something's coming in, I, I don't want to know about this. You just have to wait and see. We're not, we're not, it's fine. Uh, so I've got another, uh, just a thing to sort of congratulate you on. Oh. Uh, you're the most followed British psychologist on Twitter. Sad but true. So I was wondering if you ever meet up with the others just to rub it in their face. Yes. Yes. Um, well, I've been trying to arrange a, a sort of dinner. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> what I've got here is some role play. Right. <laughs> I'm the second most followed yeah. in Britain. Yeah. British psychologist. And uh, you've invited me around to dinner. Yeah. And it's purely to brag about you having the most followers. Of course. So um, I'll add in effects and everything later to make mm. it sound like we're actually at a dinner party or something. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> no need, I can do them all. Uh, okay, so this is the role play. I'll knock on the door. Right. Uh, what's, my, what's the name? Do you know who the second... I, honestly, I've no idea who it is. Um, let's call you Barry. Barry. Okay, I'm a Barry. I'm, I'm knocking on the door. 
I'm already, I'm already eating dinner. Oh, to my own sound effect. <laughs> um, right, Barry. <laughs> you come in and have what's left of dinner. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it's kind of eating it a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy with that sound effect. Um, we might be able to use that in Dream On uh, as one of the worst dreams you've ever had. But we quite good. We go, wake people up. Richard Wiseman having dinner. Um, uh, Barry, thanks for having me around. Uh, that's my pleasure, Barry. Um, it's so nice. Now I'll cut to the I'll cut to the chase. Okay. Um, how many followers have you got on Twitter? Very very odd question combined with the noise you were doing. Uh, I've got uh, about, I'd say about maybe like 5,000. More than you, Barry! More than you, failure! Oh, it's lovely. Chicken. <laughs> Scene. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's roughly our hand. <laughs> no. I mean, I might, we might have sort of a cocktail or something beforehand, but it would still be pretty fast in there. <laughs> So, have you got any thoughts on that, Connor? I think one of the the nice things about um, doing a podcast like this is the fact that you doesn't have to restrict it just to comedians. And I think one of the great things about sort of podcasts like that is you can hear these psychologists, and often, um, even though they're very interesting, they can often maybe seem to be or come across as a little bit dry. But something like this really allows them to show that personality. Um, that whole other side to them that makes him so much more interesting. And then it, even if you just heard that and you had no idea of his work, you would feel like, oh, I would like to hear this scientist because it shows that they can put things into terminology and can have fun with things. And if they can transcribe that into their talk about science, then hopefully it will be able to open up that whole other world to people who maybe wouldn't normally go in for it. Yeah. And I think this is the first time I sort of had an idea of what I want the podcast to be a bit more. Because uh, before it was sort of like I'd ask serious questions and then a bit of silliness had happened and tried me silly near the end. That's how I'm going to phrase it. A bit of silliness happens. <laughs> and, uh, but now I think I've just kind of going more for... Sounds like a news report. A bit of silliness broke out. <laughs> In M1 my head. Let down. <laughs> There have been reports of silliness breaking out all over Britain. <laughs> and I think now I kind of uh, want to make it more of a chat than an in-depth interview. So I'm going down, and that's where the sort of role-play thing happens, and there's one, a chat I did with Robin Ince, and there's another bit of role-play in that, and I started adding music in that, just to make it a bit more sillier and probably more fun for the person to experience and instead of the usual questions a comedian or something like that might get asked. I think there is the idea of also broadening it out to ask other people, you know, they, because there is... Um, because there is that freedom in the chat, there is the, the like, I think we keep coming back to an idea of a podcast because it's not that so mainstream. People can have more fun with it. People can be more interesting with it. And it also means you can ask a broader range of people and you can hear a whole other side to people who, you know, they never really knew was there and it can really broaden out their appeal. And I think the idea of being able to have, add in more sound effects and things like that is a great thing as well because you can. The software is out there, it's available. You can really make the production sound a lot bigger. So you've heard all the excerpts now from this uh, Christmas catch-up special. Have you got um, any more thoughts? And basically, you created this. Are you proud of what you've done and unleashed into the world? I, I feel now if I, if I have to reread Frankenstein that I will understand a lot more about his, his feelings of guilt 
um, his feelings of the fact that it seemed such a good idea at the time and now the repercussions are out there uh, the death, the blood, the mayhem that you look back on it and you feel really oh my god what have I done so it's more regret I, I, you know, I don't know if regret's big enough uh, I don't think it really truly covers it I think you need to go really back into Greek tragedy to truly get that feeling of you know, that sort of endless punishment, that continual eyes being pecked out, things like that, that that's really what is required for in some way, after a thousand, two thousand, the millennium, you will feel that your guilt has been slightly lessened. Never goes away. Never goes away. So, Scott, I'm glad you enjoyed your time here. And uh, do basically, the final question I'm going to ask you is, should I continue? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's sounding better. I think it's sounding. One of the things is certainly at the start was having the confidence to sound confident because I think listeners want to hear people and they want to hear the confidence in your questions. And I think your voice gets better and better and better as it goes along. And all that comes from just having the confidence and doing it. And I think it will only get better as it goes along. And I've also, uh, even, I don't want to uh, ruin the illusion. But outside of these recorded ones, I have been chatting in my actual life with people. So that gives me a bit more experience as well. I I think, you know, you can't practice enough. Um, And I think it's something um, that you should try and continue doing, mostly with other people. Um, It is one of those things I think really um, in the quiet moments by yourself, it doesn't work. Yeah, just talking to yourself doesn't really. No. Doesn't cut it. It's, you know, it's, it's good. I'm not saying it's bad, but um, actually, no, I am. I am saying it's bad. I am. Disregard that statement. It is bad. Don't sit at home in the dark talking to yourself. No good will come of it. I think uh, never a truer word has been spoken on a podcast before. Uh, So thank you, Connor, for joining me and basically talking about me, listening to me, critiquing me, and enjoying me in my presence and but i really i just do it all for the listener that's that's the main point of this i think i think from your your last statement there you realize how little you do it for you you know really you're, you're not your main concern i'm a man of the listeners a man of my people so thank you very much for listening to this uh slightly different episode of the podcast if you liked it another one might happen next christmas maybe i don't know uh But uh, if you didn't like it, there won't be another one for a year. So that's something to just keep in your mind. And if you sort of, as it's Christmas and it's the time for giving, what you could do is wrap up your own computer in some sort of parcel and give it to your loved one. And basically they'll open it, they'll get all excited, what's in here? And it'll just be your own computer and they'll... What will be is there'll be nothing on the hard drive except this very podcast. And that's all you can really... There's no better gift than a man you don't know talking to people you might like. Thank you for listening. Have a nice Christmas. And download me, please. If you like this podcast, you can follow the Twitter account at Chats For You. For info on the latest episodes and also exclusive never-before-heard questions, they'll be posted on the account, so it's questions that have never been asked by anyone ever before. It's very hard to keep track of it, sort of, factually, 
but I'd guess they wouldn't have been asked. Thanks for listening. This podcast was an Eminent Joy production. Visit eminentjoy.com for a bunch of different funny people doing a bunch of different funny things.